Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Last weekend, we had a hugely responded to hour on first responders in this country who are living and dying by their own hand because of post-traumatic stress disorder. In the first six weeks of 2016, think about this, in the first six weeks of 2016, nine Canadian first responders, that's police, paramedics, firefighters, the people on the other side of the 911 call, when you're calling in distress, they're the ones who come. Nine of them have committed suicide in 2016. 39 of them committed suicide in 2015. And yet, from what I gather, most of the provinces in this country do not consider PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, to be a workplace illness. It's not so defined. And so they're often left to their own devices. They don't get the help they require. I spoke last uh, weekend uh, with Norman Traversy, former Mississauga, Ontario Firefighter of the Year, struggling with PTSD, has had suicidal thoughts, and denied claims by the Workplace Safety and Insurance Board. Firefighter of the Year. Here's what they did to him. First of all, they wouldn't let him compete for other jobs that he was qualified for. And then when they did give him a job or provide him with employment, because he has part of his PTSD, makes Norman react quickly if somebody's standing behind him. You heard him tell us this. They put a, hung a shower curtain behind his workspace, and a sign was produced. I saw a photograph of the sign. It looks like it was professionally done. Norman Traversy, caged animal. Firefighter of the Year. It's awful. We talked to a police officer who told us that he's committed, or tried to commit suicide twice. He's tried to commit suicide twice. He's getting better, but he's tried it twice. We also had a call from the wife of a paramedic who told us that her husband, because he has post-traumatic stress disorder, is being looked down on and ridiculed and bullied by others in the profession because he's considered to be the weak link. I don't know if that's a defensive reaction, but it's certainly an inappropriate reaction. So we have Norman Traversy back on the air with us. Norman, hi. Hi. I'm so, I'm always, I'm always feel, I always feel privileged when I speak with you. Thank you. Because of what you have done, because you're the, you're the guy who was at the other end of that call, and I've had firefighters at my home, and talked about that four years ago, and they put their lives at risk to save the house. You guys are special. I also have Jane with me. She's the wife of the paramedic, whose husband has been ridiculed. And Jane, I saw paramedics at this house for two years when my wife was ill, mm-hmm. while my wife was dying. And they were the most wonderful, the most caring, the most engaged, the most um, indispensable people. I have not only the greatest of respect. I don't know why what's happened to your husband is happening, but 
We'll talk about it. Thank you for coming back on the show. Thank you. When you would go to work, may I say this? When you would go to work, you would ask him to promise you that he wouldn't commit suicide? Yep, there was a time where um, when he was sort of in the acute phase of all of this that, um, yeah, I was making what they sort of call suicide packs. And I would say to him, like, are you going to be here when I get home? I need you to promise. And he would, we would have to say it every day. Yep. Wow. Dr. D. Reiske is a psychologist, clinical and rehabilitation co-director at the Niagara Psychological Wellness she works with military and first responders with PTSD, and she was recommended to me by police contacts. Dr. Reiske, thank you very much for coming on the program. Thanks so much for having me. Would you, let me start with you, please, uh, Dr. Reiske. Does, when you hear that first responders are considering committing suicide, that there has to be a pact between a husband and wife, that, uh, that we have these terrible numbers of 911 responders um, committing, actually committing suicide. Does any of that surprise you? And why is it happening? It, it certainly doesn't surprise me. This is not a story that's new or unfamiliar to me, unfortunately. It's something that I hear um, far too frequently. Uh, the story of, of a claim of, of PTSD being denied by WSIB unfortunately, is also not something that surprises me. That's, that's something that I'm all too familiar with as well. Workplace Safety um, and Insurance Board in the province of Ontario. Correct. Why are they not being, why is it, why is, do you, can, have you ever gotten an answer when you've asked uh, about why they don't acknowledge PTSD as being a workplace injury or an, Ill, or an illness? Um. I don't know that I've ever gotten a specific answer that made sense to me. Oftentimes, the way that um, these claims are evaluated is that they're looking for a specific incident, one event that causes the injury. For physical injuries, that often makes sense. If you slip and fell at your workplace on, on a wet floor, um, that particular incident may be responsible for, for physical injuries of sprains or, or bruising or, or what have you, where you might have to be off for a week. Right. With, with first responders, the nature of the job itself is that you're faced with the kinds of things that the rest of us don't want to think about on, on a on a day to day basis. Right. That that is the nature of the job by okay, definition. Well, well, we need governments to pass legislation that requires the WSIB and and the, and equivalencies across Canada to recognize post traumatic stress disorder as a workplace illness. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We'll talk with Jane. We'll talk with Norman Traversy. We'll talk more with Dr. D. Reiske, and we'll include your calls at 888-225-8255, 888-225-8255. And if you're in the Toronto area, 416-870-6400. Do you have a personal experience with post-traumatic stress disorder? Perhaps you're a first responder or a family member of a first responder who can add to our discussion. We'll come back on The Green Show. Stay with us. Post-traumatic stress disorder with our first responders in this country, the folks, as we say, at the other end of the 911 call. It is a hugely significant issue, and they are not being properly treated, and they're not being properly responded to by governments and by agencies in most of the provinces that should be looking after them. What is it? Is it too expensive? 
Is it too expensive? Norman, uh, Norman, Norman who's that? Uh, yeah, I, I would just say follow the money. Yeah, Norman, I want to ask you a question. Yes. You've been fighting PTSD and for PTSD recognition for a long time. What has it done to you emotionally? How did it change you? How did post-traumatic stress disorder change your life? Wow. Uh, I was rough, tough, and hard to bluff, and, and now I'm not. Uh, it changed my, my uh, ability to sleep, uh, changed my interactions with my family. You know, my, my poor kids, I remember my, I was sitting out on my back deck, and my daughter came out, and I just about jumped through the roof, and I apologized to her, and she said, Dad, you think I haven't grown up with this? Like, wow. that's, that's what she said. It's, it's, I think it's, well, it's been horrific. I, I'm a fighter. I've always fought. And I fought this. I went and got treatment. And then WSIB put me right back to ground zero. And it was them that did it. Uh, when, it, was, it when, when, let, let's talk about the, the condition, because what people need to understand. Okay. How did it change you as a person? Um, it changes your confidence. Uh, it changes, uh, you're always thinking about, uh, are people noticing this in right. me? Right. Uh, you know, I know when I, uh, tried to go to work that, uh, my coworkers were told to stay away from me and I was aware of that. And it was like, everybody was walking on eggshells around me and that's not a good way to go to work. No, it isn't. <laughs> No, it isn't. And then when you go home, you carry that with you when you go home. When does the when does the despair become its greatest? And I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the men and the women we talk about who took their lives. It's it's like a statistic, but this it's not fair because these are human beings we're talking about. People like you, people like Jane's husband, people like the police officer who called us last weekend. The, you you're the people who put yourselves in the line of fire. To take care of the rest of us, when does, what time does the despair become so significant that life becomes almost untenable? Uh, thankfully, I don't know. I don't know. I'm glad. I'm. I'm. You know, it's. Uh, it's for me. It's. It's anger. It's fury, uh, and that. That, for me, will replace despair because I'm going to prevail in this. Uh, I think that WSIB is a protection racket. Uh, people need to know that it's not taxpayer-funded. It's 100% funded by employers, and they want to save money. And the WSIB is there to make sure they save money. The CEO of the WSIB last year made a million dollars. And of that, 400000 was a bonus for cutting costs. Have they That's ever, have they ever, have they ever offered you anything? Nothing. 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 And uh, what you have, the PTSD, uh, Dr. Reiske, the PTSD is simply not considered to be a workplace illness, right? So they can say if the government doesn't pass legislation to, in, to indicate it is, and we had Sherry DeNovo on the program, NDP MPP, who has several times 
at private members' legislation ready, as it's ready now, which the Ontario government's done nothing with. If there's no legislation in place, Dr. Reiske, it's easy for the WSIB and other bodies across the country to say, well, it's not really a workplace illness, and we're still investigating. Fair, fair statement? Without, without the legislation in place, it is an individual fight for every person. Um, when you're injured, and particularly a mental health injury such as PTSD, and I know that it's just because you have it doesn't mean that you have the vocabulary to know how to explain it. So to, if, if I may, to go back to a question you asked earlier of what's it like to live with it. Right. Imagine trying to live your life while you're sitting in a cage with a hungry lion. And I think that's the best that most of us who don't suffer it can, can come to understanding what it's like on a day-to-day basis. It's, You're exactly it's, right. It's a, it's a threat response that is designed to, to only turn on in circumstances of life-threatening danger. And this is a threat resp- And PTSD is what happens when the threat response cannot shut itself back off. So it's so there constantly. trying to live your life. Under the circumstance, imagine trying to interact with your family. Imagine trying to keep track of what bills need to be paid when, while your brain is reacting as if you were in a cage with a hungry lion. And then imagine, while you're in the midst of that, having to fight with WSIB to prove that you have an injury that is legitimate and that deserves treatment. While you're talking, I'm trying to imagine that, and I can't. It's it, it it defies what most of us are capable of, of to fathom, and that that's not an exaggeration. That is the brutal reality. Um, when it comes to cutting costs, denying treatment to people with with PTSD does not cut costs. Their injury doesn't magically go away because we we refuse to acknowledge that it's there. It becomes bigger, and it becomes something that starts to have an impact on them as well as their family. Okay. When people die by suicide, that, that injury doesn't go away. All of their loved ones continue to carry that pain. So, Let me ask, so pulling fund treatment actually magnifies the cost. Let me ask Jane. Mm-hmm. Jane, does this sound, was, does what Norman said and what Dr. Reiske is explaining, does that all sound terribly too familiar to you? Oh, absolutely. My husband was first um, so diagnosed with anxiety and depression, and then the PTSD started to come later as therapy and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I was watching him basically spiral down, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. I just knew something was going on and was trying to get help for him. Um, And when this happened, it was before Alberta changed their legislation. And so now um, WCB here does cover, from what I understand, PTSD, um, thank God. Um, But, yeah, it's absolute confusion, and it turns the house upside down yeah. it, it, it must it must really affect you know we use the the letters ptsd and then we we, we spell it we actually speak it out post-traumatic stress disorder to most people ptsd is another acronym and post-traumatic stress disorder doesn't sound like something you you can readily understand what we're understanding is what we're talking to we to you. We're talking to Norman. We're talking to Dr. Reiskin. We're talking to callers who share the experience. We we start to understand what actually is going on. 
Jane, um, you, you also talked about your husband being, um, I, I don't know quite how to put this, uh, not set on, but being um, not ostracized. I don't know if ostracized is the correct word, but certainly not being treated favorably by his peers. Well, I think I think what happens, and this is just my impression, is that um, EMS, fire, police, military, the first responders, they're almost paramilitary organizations. So you've got a bunch of tough people who follow orders. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're going into scenes that none of us can imagine, nor right. do we want to. Right. Um, and so they suck it up. They see, and see it as a, they see, it, they see post-traumatic stress disorder as a weakness. So I have to take a break. Yes. We're going to come back. We'll take a break at the bottom of the hour and we'll come back and we'll, we're going to talk to and more with Jane, more with Norman Traversy, with Dr. Reiska. We have Denise calling in from Vancouver. If you have a, um, if you have a personal experience with post-traumatic stress disorder, in your family, and you want to call and talk to us about it, and put put a face to this, to this, to these letters, and to the to the numbers, triple eight two two five eight two five five four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. We're coming right back. 